Welcome to Stacey on the Right, the podcast, where we are discussing Georgia politics and how they'll impact the midterm elections, which are incoming. Joining me today is Jason Shepard. He is Assistant Professor of Political Science at Kennesaw State University, also a member of the Georgia Republican Party State Committee. Jason, thank you for joining me this afternoon. Glad to, Stacey. Thanks for having so, me. Yeah, I'm glad you're here. We we have a lot of news being made out of the state of Georgia, um, starting off with former NFL great Herschel Walker. He won his primary, um, then promptly set about telling everyone that it wasn't President Trump who asked him to run. He is running on his own steam. Um, obviously, the endorsement helped a great deal. They have an over 30-year friendship that they're operating off of. How do you see him doing in the general against the Democrat? Well, I think... Uh Herschel Walker has a really great uh, potential against Raphael Warnock. I mean, one of the key things that any candidate is, tries to do when running for office is raise money, and the candidates raise money to build name ID. Herschel Walker has tremendous name ID already in the state and very positive name ID. Uh, I suspect the Democrats will try to run a scorched earth campaign, but Herschel Walker has been very open and upfront, even written books about the struggles that he has had that the Democrats are going to try to use. And also, it's very hard to get rid of a positive feeling that's been built up over years. Um, I can tell you that in the last 2020 election cycle, Herschel Walker was doing a, a lot of work helping local Republican candidates. In fact, even appeared in a television ad for our local Republican sheriff here in Cobb County. So while there was a lot of talk about Donald Trump endorsing him and encouraging him to run for the U.S. Senate, I was saying in 2020, you don't help local Republican candidates if you're not thinking about running for something yourself. And I think this uh, Senate campaign was the opportunity that Herschel Walker was looking for. So that's actually um, it's it's good for everyone to kind of keep that in perspective. And he does have amazing name ID. He does have um, a an ability to kind of, hey, I'm from Georgia. He's He's a known quantity in Georgia as opposed to someone who recently moved there. So it makes it fun. Um, it, it kind of adds a little bit of spice to that race. So now turning to Raphael Warnock, you know, he won a special election uh, to, to basically go in there for a little teeny bit. And now he has to actually win the seat. What do you see him doing with uh, his race? Well, Warnock has uh, is probably the number one fundraiser in the uh, Senate caucus among the Democrats, and I think number one nationwide, which tells me the Democrats and Senator Warnock understand that this is going to be an extremely tough re-election. Uh, as I said, he won the special election uh, two years ago. Now he is running for his full term in the Senate, not just the completion of the late Senator Johnny Isaacson's term. So he is probably running in one of the worst election cycles for Democrats in about 80 years, uh, looking at the generic ballot. So there's sort of a rule of thumb that the more an incumbent has to spend on their reelection, the more vulnerable that incumbent is. Uh, Warnock really was helped by Joe Biden's coattails and even maybe even more so about by former President Trump and the lack of messaging we really had in Georgia during the runoff. And that's what propelled him very narrowly into that Senate seat, but it was a very narrow win in a runoff. So he's once again running against someone, a Republican who's very popular, um, state, very well-known statewide. Um, I mean, I have a football signed by Herschel Walker 
um, in my man cave, which I've I've had for a number of years. And that positive name ID that Herschel has compared to the very short amount of time that Raphael Warnock has been there is going to be an impediment to Warnock's reelection to make it more difficult for him. So I think what we're going to see is the Democrats really run a scorched earth campaign. On the other hand, uh, Raphael Warnock did do a very good job during the 2020 election, uh, kind of differentiating himself, um, making himself look very personable and likable. And I, I'm going to assume that he'll continue to try to do that as well, as well as try to run down Herschel Walker. I don't think her, that'll be successful because, like I said, Herschel has built-in name ID and he has long-standing name ID, and it's very positive, and that's very hard to cut into for any candidate. So, and and I think it's it's interesting because you know, so for in Georgia, for Georgia. Race is an issue. Um, there's the constant drumbeat of Republicans are racist. You know, they're, they're terrible people. They hate black people. This is demonstrably false, yet the Democrats have never once wavered away from calling anyone a racist. Herschel Walker can be called all of the other racial slurs that Democrats routinely use on black conservatives, but they can't call him a racist. So they have to go, as you mentioned, scorched earth. They have to bring out things that uh, might be distasteful in the eyes of Georgia voters, even progressives in Georgia, tend to be a little more, uh, it's like being even keeled and uh, kind of wanting to treat other people with respect than perhaps maybe the same race that would be run in the state of New York for for a Senate seat. So it's going, if if the Democrats get ugly, which they invariably will have to, it could turn off some of their core constituency. Still, uh, I never ever take anything for granted with uh, with Democrats. I mean, they, they, they can do anything. They can accomplish anything. So um, let's let's kind of, I, I think there's an interesting uh, race in addition to those two. Um, and it's in Georgia, and it is Stacey Abrams. This, to me, has been kind of fascinating because Stacey Abrams, I mean, where do we begin? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's, it, I, I think she has never conceded the 2018 gubernatorial race. And as much as the Democrats like to throw throw out and call what Donald Trump and his supporters have been saying about the election being stolen, the big lie, well, the first big lie would have come from Stacey Abrams saying that her election was stolen and that the vote was suppressed. Uh, historically, Republicans in Georgia have done very well since we took the state in 2002. And most people forget that Georgia was a state that was completely run by Democrats up until the 2002 election. So Republicans have held control of the state for a very short amount of time, historically. Uh, but in 2006, when there was a Democrat wave sweeping over in George W. Bush's second midterm, Republicans made gains in Georgia. Um, same thing happened four years ago, where conventional wisdom would have been that Brian Kemp would at least have been in a runoff with Stacey Abrams, but he was able to avoid the runoff. Since then, like I said, Stacey Abrams has not conceded the election. You know, the jokes around Georgia is that... Uh, you know, she's running for a second term, but for some reason decided that she wanted to be president of United Earth in addition to that. And I think these moves that Stacey has been making, trying to nationalize the election in Georgia, really provide a, even more of a cleavage between her and Georgia voters that only benefits Brian Kemp. In 2018, both of them were relatively unknown. I mean, Brian Kemp had been an elected official, but not with the high profile that something that position like governor has. 
Uh, over the past four years, Governor Kemp has done a fantastic job leading the state. Uh, the Republican Party, um, maybe not the grassroots activist class, but at least Republican voters in Georgia seem to be heavily behind Brian Kemp, given the result of the primary that we just had, him re- receiving over 70 percent. So Brian Kemp is going into this election in a very strong position. Uh, also here from independents who may have leaned towards Stacey Abrams either because they thought Brian Kemp was too much like Donald Trump or not conservative enough or too much of an unknown, are solidly backing the incumbent governor because he now has four years of a very solid conservative record, which has really kept Georgia the number one state through the COVID pandemic and even through the disastrous Biden economy. On the other side, Stacey has kept herself a national figure. Uh, She's been on Star Trek. She gave the response to the State of the Union address. She's backed by Hollywood liberals. And not only that, keeps making mistakes like saying that Georgia is the worst state to live in. So Georgian voters are looking at her and asking, how out of touch are you? And you're aligned with national Democrats. And we've seen over the past two years with Inflation at 40-year highs, the gas prices approaching $5 a gallon and probably going to be even more by the time we get to the November election. Plus, you can't find baby formula. Prices in the grocery store are going up. And Georgia voters don't want what Joe Biden is, is doing na- to our nation to be done by Stacey Abrams in Georgia. So I think the hill that she has to climb is even more enormous than Raphael Warnock's. And it's brought about by basically how Stacey has been conducting herself over the past four years. Yeah. So so it's an interesting mix because, you know, Jason, when you talk about her national name ID, uh, I'll, I'll never forget. It was about I was only two, two months ago and I went to Barnes and Nobles um, and we, we go kind of frequently. So we go at least once every other month we're in Barnes and Nobles, just in the store. So we walk into the one that's in our mall and it's a, a large Barnes and Noble and pretty much you come in, it's almost like a big open space, and then you come a little further in, and there are display racks. And we all know, you know, the display racks and end caps, those are all retail locations. So within the Barnes & Noble, authors and their publishers will purchase the end cap or they'll purchase a display. And that display will stay up for weeks on end, depending on what they paid for. It's advertisement space. And so there on the end cap are not not just one book by Stacey Abrams, but there's a display of a book where she's featured with another author, and it's like right there on the end in your face, like one of the very first things you see when you come into the store. And then she has her own rack with her own book that she's released. And so there's a lot of promotion that's gone on surrounding Stacey Abrams to create a national figure. You know, you mentioned her being on Star Trek, which I didn't know she'd been on there, but that kind of fits in with the PR, um, it's an elevation of her profile via a PR company or multiple PR companies that's meant to make her greater than just a potential candidate for the governor of Georgia, which is, you know, a very consequential state, a a battleground state. So um, it's interesting that even with all of that, I don't know that she has such a positive view, especially with independents and moderate Republicans who she would need to actually win the, the, uh, the governor's race. Well, I mean, it's a very different environment than we had four years ago under the first uh, midterm election under Donald Trump. And typically speaking, the president's party doesn't fare well in midterm elections. It's a chance for the opposition to kind of come out. They they are motivated by the fact that they are out of power. 
And now that belongs to the Republicans. And there's only been two midterm elections where the opposition party didn't make gains in the last hundred years. And that was 1934 on FDR's first um, midterm election where Democrats made gains during the Great Depression. And the only other time was in 2002, George W. Bush's first midterm, where Republicans made gains barely a year after the 9-11 attacks. So outside a major crisis like that. And right now, the major crisis is on the hand, in the hands of the Democrats. Joe Biden is perceived as not being able to handle the economy. It's Jimmy Carter all over again. And Stacey Abrams is running around being a national Democrat at a time where Georgia voters are hurting locally, and they want to hear Georgia solutions. So very, very different environment that she's facing. And, you know, the other thing is it's well known in Georgia that Stacey Abrams is not running for governor because she wants to be governor of Georgia. She's running for governor as a stepping stone to president of the United States and to give her credibility in that. And I don't think Georgia voters, especially in this economy, want to just be a stepping stone for someone's personal ambitions. And, you know, Stacey Abrams may have been better if she had waited another four years until it was another open seat and the possibility of a Republican president, and then it would be a better environment. But I think this is her last chance, and I think Georgia voters in November are going to send a strong message that Stacey Abrams needs to continue with her writing career and not be looking to run things in government so maybe maybe uh, go on star trek again maybe maybe head to hollywood because exactly i feel like it's your responsibility as voters in georgia to stop her from elevating beyond where she is right now keep her out of the governor's mansion keep her out of the senate of the united states keep her away from any presidential aspirations not that i think americans writ large would elect her but the fact that she has those aspirations after having no no record of service uh, in the public eye uh, writing a couple of books you know cameoing on some hollywood television shows we can do better than stacy abrams the people of georgia can do better than stacy abrams but uh it's an interesting dynamic to watch i guess what can we call it we're watching the creation of a national figure almost at our expense, because she shares the same policy proposals as President Biden. So she would increase inflation, increase the price of gas, force green energy policies on Americans. She would do those things because they're her party's policies, as opposed to what works for Americans or what would make our lives better. It's it's actually stunning. Precisely. I mean, and and that's what we have nowadays in today's Democrat Party. You know, I remember Zell Miller, you know, he spent his entire life as a Democrat. And um, I, you know, I got to know him closer to the end of his life, although since he was a Democrat, I never voted for him. But he always said, and he wrote a book on it, the Democrat, I didn't leave the Democrat Party, it left me. And this is not our parents and grandparents' generation of, of Democrats that were, um, you know, believed in America and believed in entrepreneurship and hard work. Um, this is a party that now believes in the tenets of socialism. And it was what used to be the fringe and the far, far left of the Democrat Party is now mainstream. And Stacey Abrams represents that. Uh, There's a lot of talk about the fact that Stacey Abrams ran as a progressive when uh, previous Democrat candidates had run sort of as Republican-like. You look at Jim, uh, Jason Carter, uh, former President Jimmy Carter's grandson, who ran uh, for governor against Nathan Deal, um, during Nathan Deal's re-election, he ran as a centralist 
um, sort of Republican-like type of Democrat. And same thing with Michelle Nunn, who ran for the U.S. Senate that same year, um, the daughter of, for, of the former uh, Democrat Senator Sam Nunn, who was well-known as being a conservative voice from the South in, in the United States Senate. But that's changed now. And even Joe Biden, you go back and look at his previous statements, you would have thought he was more moderate and even um, you know, close to a lot of Republicans in terms of his political views. But now he has gone so far to the left because that is where his party is. And that's where the, and that's where the Democrat Party is these days. So it used to be people would say there's no difference between Republicans and Democrats. Now there's an extremely stark difference. And one party who believes in America, believes in American exceptionalism, uh, believes in the entrepreneurial spirit, and another party that believes government control should control your life from cradle to grave. And Stacey Abrams represents that. She does. She does. And I think that it, it, so the high voter turnout, especially among black Americans, proved that she lied about the impact of the voter integrity legislation that had been passed in Georgia, which was kind of an example for the rest of America that you can actually get voter uh, voter ID and wonderful, you know, shoring up of, of electoral processes while still encouraging people to get out and exercise their constitutional right to vote. She lied about that. She's now been proven to be a liar about that. And I hope that the voters in Georgia will remember that. Um, it's always such a pleasure to listen to the expertise and also historical perspective provided by someone in your position, um, you know, sitting on the uh, state Georgia Republican Party State Committee, and also working as a you know professor teaching uh, the youth of today, the young adults of today, how to think about politics and in the realm of political science. Jason Shepard, Assistant Professor of Political Science at Kennesaw State University. Thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. Been wonderful to talk to you. Same here. It's my pleasure. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. And that's another one for the books. Guess what? I need you to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts and share the show. Put it on your social media. Let people hear these wonderful conversations we're having. God bless you. We'll see you next time.